Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. There's a huge difference between having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of those pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. It's me, Jenny, and I'm your host and your guest today. Today is a solo episode. And so I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so grateful that you would attune your listening ear to my voice through your headphones today. And I thank you for being a part of the Head to Heart community. For those of you tuning in for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, sometimes I'll have a guest on here that I interview and sometimes it'll be just me. But I feel like it has been quite a while since I've done a solo episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like it's been at least a couple months since I did a solo episode. And of course, the question that I ask every single guest, and so I will ask myself today what we're going to talk about, is what have I been set free from? I've been set free from a results-driven definition of success instead of being driven by an eternal perspective. And as a result of being results-driven, I was also the flakiest person I knew. And I'll kind of tie in how those two go together later in the episode, but I just want to tell you how this started, who I was before the Lord set me free from this. I didn't have any sense of time management in my life. I was always on to the next big thing because I really wanted a thrill. I wasn't like a thrill adrenaline junkie, like doing dangerous things and going on roller coasters and all that stuff. But I was like, what's going to give me the most excitement? And I would always commit myself, well, commit in air quotes, and say, yes, I'm going to go do this thing that was spontaneous, that was unplanned, that was going to make me happy, I thought. And so that's who I was growing up all throughout high school. And then that started to change the year after high school. So maybe you know this because you've listened to previous episodes, But the year after I graduated high school, I moved to the country of El Salvador to do a discipleship program. And the Lord started helping me understand what stewardship was in that year. Let me tell you, that year was, how do I put this? Difficult. It was very, very difficult for many different reasons. One of those reasons was just because it was a completely different culture. And of course, with that comes culture shock comes misunderstandings, comes language barriers, comes learning the new language. All that was part of why it was difficult. And then another part of why it was difficult for me was because our main ministry that we did as a program was children's ministry. We did a couple other things too, but children's ministry was the main one that we were committed to. 
And that was mostly because of the demographic of El Salvador. If this statistic is still true, at one point, like half the population of El Salvador was under the age of 14. That statistic is at least five years old, so I don't know if that's still true, but at the time it was. So in this program, I didn't get a choice of what ministry I could join or do. And I know in different programs, you can get plugged into different types of ministry, but just because of the demographic and how the ministry was set up, children's ministry was the only choice. I didn't get an option, and I knew that going in. This wasn't supposed to be a surprise to me. I am not per se gifted (laughs) in children's ministry. I've worked in children's ministry and jobs with kids periodically, but I just want to say it is not my, however you want to put it, it's not my preference, it's not my gifting, it's not my calling, it drains me a lot. Let's say that. I leave children's ministry or a job with kids so exhausted, (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you. But I didn't have a choice, and this discipleship program for me was a year long. So it was real, real difficult. But I only had one year there. So you know when you're doing something that you don't necessarily like, but you have an end date in mind? Like, oh, okay, I'm going to put my two weeks in for quitting this job. So you know the final day that you'll have. Like, you know you only have two weeks left. Somehow that just makes it more bearable, right? You're like, okay, well, at at least I can survive two more weeks. Like, I can do this. I'll start looking for a different job. Get my mind off of it. That was me, but it was a lot longer than two weeks. (laughs) And shortly upon arriving in El Salvador, I learned this verse. It's Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. And after learning that verse, I thought, well, I'm here for one year and it's hard, but I don't want to just check out and waste this time. I want to make this count. I'll one day look back on this year and what am I going to remember? What am I going to remember that I was miserable and I just slacked off the whole time? Or am I going to remember that it was difficult? Yes, but I gave it my best. So after learning that verse, the Lord just helped me decide every day that I was going to show up and give God my best. So some days that was really cool. Some days I was like, wow, I love these kids. It's such a blessing to be here. God really moved today, whatever. Other days it was like, at least I made it through the day and that's a win. (laughs) I was struggling with comparison as well a lot that year. So There were other people working with me that seemed to love children's ministry. Like, they were just good at it. And they didn't feel drained at the end of the day. And then some missionaries that I was working with had more flashy or outgoing personalities than me. And it seemed like it was so much easier for them to make connections with people they had just met. And I started comparing myself to everyone around me. And I, it caused me to have doubts like... Is there something wrong with me? Am I failing at what God's led me to do in this season? Am I just not good enough for this? But the question God kept asking me throughout this whole year was, are you being faithful? He just kept redirecting my eyes to not look at what others appeared to be doing. He just kept bringing me back to what he had assigned me specifically to do. 
So I just want to tell you right now, this podcast episode is going to get very Bible study-esque. It's going to be a lot like a Bible study, and I'm very excited for that aspect of this. I just want to ask you, dear listeners, quick question. Let's take a self-inventory. When was the last time you read your Bible? Not last time you listened to a podcast about Christians talking about biblical principles, not the last time you journaled about a verse that you remember, but when was the last time you just simply read your Bible? Okay, I have no further questions with that. I just want you to start thinking, okay? In that year, the Lord kept redirecting my eyes to go back onto him and stop comparing, which was beautiful. And as I continued to read my Bible, I realized that there are two judgments in the end of days. I just try to wrap your mind around this for me. Maybe this is new information for some of you. Maybe this is old information for others of you. But I always thought up until that point that people who were unbelievers would be judged. Like let's say someone who has completely rejected the gospel. I thought that they would be judged. Okay, your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that was their judgment. That's true, yes, that will happen, but I learned in reading the Bible, there there are actually two separate judgments. There's one for unbelievers and one for believers, and I was shocked. I was like, how have I never heard about this? Or I think I had heard about it, but it had not sunken in until then, until I started reading it for myself. I learned that there's going to be a judgment for everyone, like, okay, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Did you live your life for the Lord or did you not? And that determines where you end up after you die. Do you go to heaven or do you go to hell? But I learned that when believers say, okay, you lived your life for Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have made it to heaven. There is a judgment again for believers and it judges what we did on this earth. The Bible talks about rewards and a sense of loss. So let me just read 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9 through 15. It says, For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So once believers are judged, hello, you made it to heaven, congratulations, you are going to be judged by what you did with your time spent on earth. If anything is wasted, it will be burnt up, and you're going to make it to heaven, yes, because you're saved by faith, right? But if you have wasted your life, those things are just going to burn up. Revelation 22 verse 12 says, Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to his work. 
Matthew 16 verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Matthew 10 verse 42 says, And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Revelation 11 verse 18 says, The nations were angry, but your wrath has come. The time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants, the prophets, to the saints, and to those who fear your name, both small and great. And the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth. So we will be judged by our work for the Lord our actions, our godliness, our motives, our attitude, our integrity, our faithfulness, our humility, our words, how we've influenced people's lives, loving those who don't love us back, blessing others who cannot repay us, caring for God's people, how we work in our jobs, and how we gave. And I'm going to link even more verses about rewards and being rewarded for all of those things in the show notes so that you can look it up later. But if believers are going to be judged on these things and rewarded in the areas we've been proven faithful, doesn't that make you care more about what you do here and now? In El Salvador, I started to realize what it is God had asked me to steward. And that lesson has stayed with me ever since that season. It changed my whole life (laughs) and it will change your whole life if you let the Lord work in this area. I no longer have to be afraid of what others think because I know who my allegiance is to. My allegiance is to the Lord and I'm going to be giving an account to him one day. I also used to be the flakiest person I knew. I've been entrusted with work, with my friendships, with my family, and I take my commitments seriously now. I've stopped chronically over committing and started thinking like, this is the time that I've been given to spend on earth. How can I use it wisely? And it changed everything for me. And one of the biggest things I stopped doing was I stopped defining success and failure by other people's reactions. A perfect example of this, let me just give you one little example. In my junior year of high school, I felt led to start a prayer group. And I can't remember if this was at school or church. I don't remember. It was at school or church. I don't remember. So I planned it. I got the word out. And then we had our first prayer meeting. The next day, someone asked me, how did it go? And I said, it went great. 14 people came. I'm just making up that number. I don't remember how many people came. I was like, it was great. This many people came. In my mind, success was how many people came. Success was what people thought of the prayer meeting. I thought that if God had told me to do that, if he had led me to start that prayer meeting, then he would bring a lot of people. On the other hand, if a lot of people didn't come, then I would have thought I must have done something wrong. It must not have been God. But I look back on that story and my heart just hurts. I just want to hug like 17-year-old Jenny and tell her, no, that's not it at all. Your success is measured by your obedience to God not by other people's reactions to your obedience. So if I led that prayer meeting and no one came, I still would have been obedient to the Lord. That is stewardship. That is faithfulness. I didn't understand at the time that 
I am only in charge of what God is leading me to do. That's it. Understanding that concept freed me so much to actually enjoy life Because do you know how exhausting it is to let your measure of faithfulness be dependent on other people? It's so tiring. So everything we do in this life, we will give an account to God for. Romans 14 verse 10 through 12 says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 through 11 says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us For the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord and we try to persuade others. So in this concept of stewardship, what the dictionary definition of stewardship is, is the job of supervising or taking care of something, such as an organization or property. And the verb to steward is to manage or to look after. So nothing is truly ours to keep. Like we came into this life as naked infants and we're going to go out and stand before God one day. We're not going to bring any of our possessions with us. It's just us. Everything we have is just something we are entrusted with by God and we are in charge of stewarding it. So I think of life as a garden. We are all called to tend to cultivate, to care for, grow, and multiply these little seeds that God has given to each of us. So I'm going to read a little parable to you. You may know it, you may not. It's Matthew 25 verse 14 through 30. This is the parable of the talents. I feel like if you want to look at your life through a certain parable in the Bible, this would be a great one to start with. So verse 14 unto 30. For it is like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, and talents was like money back in this story. To another, two talents. To another, one talent, depending on each one's ability. He then went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have earned five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. 
you're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, have what is yours. His master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw this good-for-nothing servant out into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the master in this parable gave them talents or money according to each one's ability. It was not that one of them was less valuable than another. One just got five, one got two, and one got one talent. So I just want to say that you are not less valuable because you don't have as much money as someone else. You are not less valuable because you're not married. You're not less valuable because you're not as talented as the person next to you. The servants in this parable were judged based on how much they were entrusted with. It doesn't matter how much you start with. It doesn't matter if you're single or married. It doesn't matter if you live in an apartment or a house. It doesn't matter if you can sing well or if you can serve well. It doesn't matter if you have three jobs or if you're a stay-at-home mom. That's not what God will judge you on. It's what you do with what you have that counts. This is why it's so important that we don't compare ourselves with what we think other people have. And I say think what other people have because social media in this day and age is very misleading. People post what they want others to see. So it could appear like she has so many good friends or like he has so much money or that she knows everything about the business world or that he has such a good family or that she has such an amazing singing voice. You could say, well, she's so talented. You know, those things could be true. But they could also not be. Maybe she is so talented, but just because you're talented does not mean you're trustworthy. If you're mismanaging the $100 you have, why would God entrust you with $500? Right? God is not impressed if you are super talented. Because he literally gave you that talent in the first place. Psalm 147 verse 10 says, He is not impressed by the strength of a horse. He does not value the power of a warrior. The Lord values those who fear him, those who put their hope in his faithful love. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the question is not, what do you have? It's, who did you live for? It's, who did you commit your life to? Because there is such a huge difference between talented and anointed. So I'm going to pick on pastors just for a quick minute here. I'm just choosing pastors because those are the people that when we first think of church, that's who we think of possibly. It's not necessarily the people you sit next to or serve next to. Sometimes we just think of the pastor. And I know I am fully aware pastors do so much more than just preach. They go to meetings, they pray, they serve, they care for people, all the things. Most of those questions that really matter would be more like, 
How does this person treat their spouse? How do they treat their kids? Are they being faithful in their finances? Do they love people who don't love them? Are they cultivating their own relationship with God faithfully? So there can be this 5% of people's lives that we see up on a stage and we could think wonderful things about them. Maybe they are wonderful, but I just want to draw our attention to the fact that everything is not as it appears in 5% of their lives. There is 95% more of their lives that they are accountable to the Lord for. Now, what are you not called to steward? If you're called to steward things like your marriage, your kids, your singleness, your sexuality, your finances, your relationship with the Lord. So you steward those things. What are you not called to steward? You are not called to steward other people's actions and reactions. That's just something you're not in control of. You are not called to steward the outcome of your obedience. The only thing you're in charge of is your own reactions, your own emotions, your own obedience. So God could ask you to do something and you do it and the outcome is nothing like you expected it to be. No one gets saved. You don't have a lot of support, but you're in charge of what you did with what God told you to do, not the outcome of it. And last but not least, you are not called to steward the other half of your relationships. So let's say you want to be a really good friend. You're like, I'm not going to gossip about this person. I'm not going to talk badly to them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to build them up. I'm going to be a listening ear. Those are great things. But you are not in control of, of course, the other half of that relationship. So if your friend goes behind your back and talks badly about you, you're not in control of their actions. You are only in control of how you respond to mistreatment. You may be asking, okay, Jenny, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I do want to steward my life well, but how do I do that? Well, that's a great question. The two servants who were proven faithful did the same things, even though they were not given the same amount to start with. So first of all, They both recognized that their time to steward their master's possessions and property was limited. Their master was coming back, but he didn't tell them when. They knew that their time without him was important. So first of all, you need to recognize that your short life on this earth actually matters. You got to recognize that no one will escape death. Well, what if the rapture happens, Jenny? That'd be cool. I'm like, yes, that would be cool. But either way, you're going to face God, okay? (laughs) So we will all be face to face with our creator one day. Your life is so short in comparison with eternity. I just heard someone the other day say that the only moment we can steward is the moment that we're in right now. Just let that sink in. You can't erase what you did yesterday. You can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow. But what you can do is serve God in this very moment. It's not that you start stewarding things well someday when you have more money, someday when you get married, someday when you have kids. It's not someday when you get this certain job title or when you're finished with school. Your today matters. Whatever is on your plate right now matters. The two faithful servants also multiplied what they had been entrusted with. 
they were very clear on what they were called to do. They didn't have any doubts about stewarding what their master had entrusted them with. You got to identify what you have been entrusted with. And if you're unsure, go ahead and ask the Lord and just journal whatever you hear. What have you been entrusted with? Your finances, your relationship with God, your friendships, your family, the gifts and talents you've been given by the Lord, and your time. If there's anything else you want to add to that list, go ahead and do it. How are you cultivating and growing those things? Are you a faithful friend or do you gossip about them when they're not with you? Are you spending time with the Lord daily or do you attempt to pour out of an empty cup? Are you kind to your family or do you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness towards them? How's your prayer life doing? The tool that I personally use to help myself steward different areas of my life well is called a stewardship map. And if you're a subscriber listening to this episode, you already know what a stewardship map is because I made a episode a couple of weeks ago called How to Make a Stewardship Map, the tool that will change your life forever. And I'm not being dramatic. I learned how to make a stewardship map probably about three years ago, and it changed how I view my life, my time, my schedule, everything. And it's basically a tool you can use to organize the different areas of your life that keeps your focus on the Lord without becoming overwhelming for you. So if you want to learn how to make a stewardship map step-by-step, you should consider becoming a subscriber. It's $2 a month and you'll get access to that episode and then every other locked episode as well. You're going to get four episodes every month instead of just the regular two. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You can go ahead and sign up. What if what you're currently in charge of and stewarding is draining the crap out of you. (laughs) That can be really, really hard. Like what if you have a job that you really don't like right now? That's really hard for you to get up every day and go do. Well, I want you to ask yourself this question. Did God lead you to that thing? Or did you just decide without consulting the Lord at all, if you were going to commit yourself to this? God does not have to sustain what he did not start. Maybe it's a sign that you need to take that off your plate. I don't know. Maybe it is and you just need to balance your time better in other areas of your life. Do whatever you know the Lord is asking you to do. You can get the tools you need to do that, but take some time to just do some self-inventory and evaluate what it is that God's asking you to steward. So you just need to ask the Lord, like, are you leading me into this? If you are, help me and give me wisdom to steward it well, because he gives wisdom to those who ask. There are so many moments in our days that are just mundane. We're just going throughout our day doing what we need to do. It's not something that's super duper enjoyable, but it's not also that terrible. And so when we realize that everything in our lives is something we will give God an account for, That means every moment becomes holy. Every day matters. And when I hear that, I get a sense of urgency and relief at the same exact time. I feel relief that this life is not for nothing. I feel relief that actions have consequences and rewards. That no one is going to do something evil in this life. 
and get away with it. So justice will be served. And then we don't just tithe and die. And this gives me such a deeper sense of purpose. And then I also feel urgency that what we do will one day be judged by our king. And what doesn't matter in our lives, what we did out of vain conceit or selfish ambition, it will burn up. I'm going to link all the resources that I've recommended here in the show notes. I'm also going to recommend the book Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. I recently read that and it talks about all the rewards that the Lord promises us in heaven. He talks about what happens if we waste our lives and he does it through a parable. It's really beautiful, easy to read. So I'll link it in the show notes for you guys. And I just want to say thank you once again for tuning into this episode. I will see you again in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. I love hearing from you. So if any part of this episode was helpful, go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag us. The handle is head to heart underscore podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or our website. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.